Hello, Future Foodcast listeners, all you food enthusiasts out there. We're excited to have you for this episode of the Future Foodcast. Today, we have a really interesting guest who's going to talk to us about some really cool trends and some definite innovation that she's got going on in the food space. I want to welcome Tracy Bell of Millennia Tea to the Future Foodcast. Welcome, Tracy. Hi, it's such a great pleasure to be here with you and your audience. We can't wait to unpack what you have to share with us. I have a little preview, so I'm getting the audience all revved up because you have such a great story. First of all, tell us a little bit about how you even came to be in the food space related with food at all, because you didn't start with Right. So I didn't consider myself entrepreneur in the traditional sense, or um, to be perfectly honest, they say people become entrepreneurs for a couple of reasons, right? Either either you're wired that way and you're, you know you're going to have a business or businesses and you've just got to figure out which one is the one, or you have a very personal experience, a personal problem as such, and that launches you into business, into entrepreneurship. And the second, the latter is where we fall. So I was a reporter, and then I worked in communications and public affairs for an emergency services provider and was very happy sort of working my way up through through the ranks and felt good about my work. And then um, 2016, we had a very personal health scare, our family, um, and it kind of rocked our world for that moment in time and got us looking at previously considered. Um, and that launched us into long research, led us to ultimately create product that uh, that is category creating and uh, starting to do a lot of good in the world. I know that that personal story is so common among entrepreneurs where there's something that happens in your life and that launches you into uh, whatever it is you're doing, your passion project. And for you, happens to be Millennia Tea. And what were you looking for, for this uh, relative that had the medical situation doing your research? search on. Right. So, and that belief system, believing that you're an entrepreneur versus believing something else was something that took me some real time to wrap my head around. I'd be happy to dive into that later, but our story was we needed, we started, so not clinician, not clinical, my husband, not clinical. We started learning about radicals and how they're roaming around in your body and happens to all of us. And as you get a little older, our body's ability to fight them off naturally becomes a little more difficult. So you neutralize free radicals and by extension, help prevent and fight disease, antioxidants. Um, and there's one antioxidant we learned in our research in particular that's really effective at fighting free radical damage and protecting cells from disease. It's called EGCG or epigallocatechin gallate, and it's found naturally in tea leaves. So we weren't tea drinkers, not in any real sense, but we started diving into the research around tea and we learned that EGCG antioxidants are highest in tea leaves in the hours immediately after their pit and they start to degrade or they start to drop off processing, um, which is what happens when you buy any dried tea on the shelf. So they sit on the shelf and fire, really. So we went looking for fresh tea leaves. We went with plants to have as food as medicine for our family. And when we couldn't find anyone anywhere deliver our need, we were frustrated and, and we set out to raw, frozen, undried. Wow. Look, first of all, I'm going to stick with EGCG instead of trying to pronounce what, what those letters stand for, if that's okay with you. And that's an exciting, so your research brought you really to health and what undergirds our ability to fight off those free radicals that break down our abilities as we age. Essentially, they they weaken, right? Is that what I understood you to say? Yeah. And because we weren't looking at it through the lens of people who love tea, we were just looking at it, the lens, what is the food as medicine product that can deliver the maximum amount of EGCG antioxidants? 
evidence to solve our problem, which is neutralized free radical damage. And that's what led us to this. And we spent a bunch of months saying to my husband, if what you're saying is true, if the data that exists and it existed before we started sending things off on our own to the lab, if it's here, why is nobody doing this? And, and we couldn't get over that. And I've come to learn there are a few things. Frozen supply chain is a bugger. Trying to get consumers to find product that's traditionally in the tea aisle, whole other part of the store is a challenge. And tea, like wine, is it, there are sommeliers who love the beauty of transforming that raw product into something that has different flavor notes and different treatments to bring out different characteristics. That wasn't our interest. It was just how do you make product perform at its maximum? Well, I think the key word that you said there that differentiates what you're doing from, because well, we have a really robust tea industry, right? I, I mean, it is, but what I'm hearing is, first of all, I'm missing out on the potential of my tea by getting the tea bag out and I'm missing out on some EGCG that I could be getting to help fight free radicals. Uh, that's for one, but for two, the food as medicine. I think that's really your key and you have created a whole new category of tea. Like you said, you're trying to get the leaves fresh, not you don't want them to be cooked and in a bag. You want them fresh and frozen. Now that has presented supply chain issues, you said. Tell us a little bit about where you've been down the, because supply chain for Anybody that's got a regular product, let me say that where they can look and find, you know, code for it and say, this is what I want to order. That's not you, but they're having trouble. You have a whole new category you're trying to transport and what's happening there. What, what has happened? Right. So supply chain for us means doing our research, traveling the world, finding, finding producer partners, not, not companies that we could buy tea from, but actual farmers in the fields that we can work with one-on-one -on -one to say, you know, the way you make tea normally? Well, we've got this, this idea and this potential. Let's work together to do the opposite. So we literally do the opposite of dried tree tea. We pick, we pick the same leaf, certified farmer direct tea, but then they take them and they dry them and they in various ways so that you end up with black tea or a green tea or a yellow tea, a white tea, all made from the exact same plant. There's not a green tea plant versus a black tea plant. It's the same leaf. It's just how you cook it, how you process the leaf that determines the finished tea. Well, we say that same leaf, but don't dry it, wash it. Let's make this food. Let's make this spray. Let's clean it. First wash tea. And then let's flash freeze it on the very same day as harvest. And so it's meant best tea growing regions aren't in urban areas that are easily accessible. So our travels have taken us to the highlands in Nandy Hills, Kenya, um, far from industry. They've taken us to the rainforest in Bataco, Colombia, um, one of the most biodiverse countries in the world. And now we're in the mountains in in central Sri Lanka, um, thousand feet above sea level, again, working in beautiful conditions, but it certainly the challenges of harvesting, getting products to not just any facility, but to a BRC grade A certified facility, meaning highest global standards in the world for food safety, only organic produce allowed in the door. It took us three years to get to the point where we could find that level of product and or sort of sourcing and a product that could be consistent and scalable.
So a lot of time in the back end, and then certainly all of the science and the research and sending things to labs and doing those evaluations so that if my mission is to help a billion people live longer, stronger lives and to share freshest and most nutrient rich teas anywhere, be able to say I'm living into that purpose. Um, so lots of time on IP, on intellectual on science, on lab tests, on working with biochemists and naturopaths, naturopaths and nutrition nutritionists and that whole group of clinicians and then transporting frozen. So then we're frozen. Uh, our product comes over in reefers, which just means big freezer um, container ships. And so, I mean, everyone's got supply chain issues these days, but ours are, they're interesting to, to say the least. And, and trying to, even just trying to get people to acknowledge frozen, undried tea thing, to be able to get out of a country and into Canada, we're on the East coast of Canada, being able to get out of a supplier country like Kenya or Colombia, especially with default Sri Lanka, and then get into Canada, the import regulations around tea, they didn't recognize our product as tea. We were like, this is tea in its purest form, um, but nobody recognized us as such. And so those were all the interesting challenges of bringing a new product to market. Well, I'm sure it was a lot more involved than you ever envisioned thinking about you really had to go and meet with people where they were growing the tea, the actual farmers to try to forge these partnerships, because you are looking for partnerships, you are looking for somebody who's going to believe in the mission that you're on a bit, because I'm sure the way they've been doing things, that's again, a well-oiled machine. They do that all the time. They pick the leaves, they dry them, they, you know, they're cooking them, all the process that normally happens. Your challenge was not only to get the partner farmers, but then the, the flash freezing with within a certain amount of time of picking, that's another problem. But then the third issue, really the biggest one regulatory wise, and when you get governments involved and you're international, like you said, uh, tea leaves, getting them out of a country where possibly people are shipping things other than tea leaves that, that might look like tea leaves <laughs> and then get them to Canada. They're saying uh, red flags are going up all over. How do you overcome that? I really believe in business. Those who survive, and I mean, there are stats that talk about startups that don't make it, but that if you are backed by a real, like you have a, you have a strong motivation, bring something to market that you think will do good in the world and that you are resilient. And, and the hits come, they are painful and they are offensive. You go through things that you would never imagine go through when you started a business and they hurt and you enter what, what, what entrepreneurs refer to as the darkest night of the soul. And what makes the difference between those who come out the other side and those who don't, and it's okay either way, is just how quickly can you dust yourself off and can you say, there is nothing serious going on here. It's okay. We've got this. We learned, thank you, thank you, thank you. We learned so much through this challenging experience, it makes you become a level of person where you believe you can do hard things and you believe that change is good and you learn the next thing and climb the next mountain. That is the game of business, in my opinion. And the challenges are hard and sometimes they really dark. And we got, like everyone, you get to the end of a runway. You start running out of cash. You wonder how you're going to make the next payroll and you hit those dark realities. In the end, if you know where you're headed and you don't be answers will come to you. They'll come to you through other people. They'll come to you through your team. They'll come to you through flashes of wisdom that come from a place you can't explain, but you will get the answers if you believe they're coming. I think there are a lot of entrepreneurs listening to this podcast that need to hear that because it is different from having a job. Setting out on your own quest is what you're talking about. And you're, you're bushwhacking. You 
really are. You in particular are because you're in establishing a whole new category of food. And thank you for sharing that because you know, that's, that's not the nuts and bolts of what you're doing, but it is the faith journey that you've had to have. You had to have faith in yourself and you had to have faith that your mission is worthy and that you are going to get there. And the answers come and solutions come and you get surrounded when you have that positive outlook. There's something about putting it out there in the universe, right? Entrepreneurship, foundership, if you will, is a lonely journey. And I think it is so important because I don't know what the stats are on how many people who start a business walk into it with an MBA, but I'm sure it is very low. And so you're walking into this already with a mindset of, I don't have a business degree. Can I do this? I'm out of my comfort zone, which is great. But then when you start hitting those really hard moments, it's easy to think that you're going through harder things than anyone's ever gone through and no one can relate. And so I think it is so important and it's been instrumental for me to surround myself with other entrepreneurs, other business owners, not just senior leaders in large corporations, but other people who are dealing with the heavy pieces, having to make so many decisions in a single day that impact people's lives outside of your own to make sure that you've got a good network of not even a network, a community of other business owners, other founders, and ideally people who are running a little bit ahead of you because they've lived some of that and you'll automatically, you're automatically going to level up to the standard of the people that you surround yourself. And I used to feel guilty. My apologies that I'm rambling on this for a minute, but I used to feel guilty about asking for help or asking for guidance or being in a circle of people who were ahead of me because I thought I don't have anything to give you except for free tea. Right now I'm a startup. However, what I've realized as we're moving along is this circle, I've I've got some learnings now and I get asked all the time by people who are just starting out in business for me to share with them and to jump on a call. And that's the part that I realized now, it's a whole ecosystem. And if you're in the position of needing help today, don't worry. There's going to be a time, a few months or a couple of years from now, where you're going to be able to give back to the people who are coming up under you. And in that way, it's a beautiful, beautiful ecosystem. So important. And from the short amount of time that I have come to know you, I know that you're going to be reaching back behind you to pull up the next person who's coming right behind you and going through maybe some things that are different, but similar to what you've already gone through. And and that's, I think the food enthusiasts that are listening to our podcast, you know, there's some community here in this industry too, uh, with people that are branching out into new ideas and concepts. I really appreciate you sharing that. Uh, Where do we go from here? Talk about Uh, Well, because the challenges are real. They just are. And and you had the challenge of supply chain. Uh, Yeah, the challenge of the new category of trying to get your consumers to even find out where to to find you because you're not with the T's, as you said earlier. What's that like? Well, and, and people have, when you're early on and you've got this idea, but you don't yet have proof of concept to be able to demonstrate that what you're saying is true and where you're going is realistic. That was the biggest one for us is people saying, how are people going to find you? You don't live with the teats. You live in the freezer and there's not a frozen tea section in the grocery store. So you don't even live in an area that people could think to look for you. So a couple of things, we we live beside the frozen fruits and berries and I'm an excellent booster. So being able to call ourselves food is, is great. I'm learning though, that when it comes to business, you think that there are these solutions that are going to be fast and effective and overnight. 
and you're going to run some Facebook campaign, you're going to do some influencer marketing or get the right story with the right, the Dr. Mark Hyman is going to talk about your tea on his Instagram and your life is going to change. And while we all hope for that, and I would, I would love that, in the end, it's word of mouth, going small, going an inch wide and a mile deep and finding out who the person is who most, who you most offer benefit for, and then talking to that person, understanding clearly the problem that you solve and how they want to hear from you and what they care about, and then providing good content, providing good content that offers value and then supporting them in sharing the story of your story so that you grow like that. And for us, it's become a benefit for me to say, we're the only frozen tea in the freezer. We're lucky in that we're highly differentiated. It felt like such a mountain at first. Now, now I wear that as a badge of honor, but I'm realizing in educating consumers, there's not a, there's no silver bullet. There's not a quick fix. You really just have to do the work. And I don't want to say you have to be patient because nobody wants to be patient, but you need to have a belief system that supports where you're going and you need to put in the time and you can't jump over steps to educate consumers. So for us, it's going directly to consumers and educating them about about our value prop. Our consumers require a high level of education. They visit my website a lot of times before they ever pull the trigger. And then slowly, consumer by consumer is word of mouth. Right. And it's it's developing those raving fans. And that consumer is out there because you are 100% organic. You mentioned Sri Lanka earlier. Yeah, we're, we're lucky in that just by having to do our business the way we did, we, ch- we check the boxes consumers are looking for. We're whole plant, pure, clean label, farmer direct, fair trade, one ingredient, washed, BRC certified facility, certified organic, kosher, like all the boxes. And we're a functional food that delivers on its promise to help people actually feel well when they start using it as part of their daily wellness routine. So we're lucky in that regard that we check the boxes that people are looking for these days. But it's funny, I couldn't imagine people talk about being fair trade and farmer direct and those sorts of things and how important they are. I think that has to be, like, I think that's just the way you do business these days though. That whole supplier relations and transparent supply chain, those things are, they're important today and they're going to be imperative as we move along. It just, there's too much information out there today that if you're not 100% open and honest about the way your, the way your product goes to market and the ways in which it benefits consumers that you exist to serve, I don't think you'll stay in business. Well, if you go to the Future Foodcast podcast website, you'll see that the podcast is actually sponsored by Farm to Plate, which is a blockchain technology to allow that transparency and tracking within the supply chain from the farmer to the store. And it is the way that business is going, and especially in the food space, consumers want that transparency. Like you said, they want to know where their produce has come from and they want to know, or their products in general, but particularly their fruits and vegetables and the grown things, they want to know where that's come from and and where it's been and that it's been taken care of along the way. Category wise, you you mentioned earlier, you're not sure why uh, people haven't heard necessarily about antioxidants and all of that. I think that we are moving as a population towards looking to being proactive with our health. That's really the consumer that you're serving is the one that doesn't want to treat a disease. They want to prevent the disease. They want to take care of their health on the front end so they don't have 
the disease to deal with on the back end. So some of those naturopaths and maybe what's been thought of as alternative medicine type uh, people really are going to grab onto because they realize the benefits of the antioxidants to the body, as well as the public in general. I think a lot of us, uh, as our population is aging and we're living longer, we care more. And and I mean, the longevity economy is something that gets me so excited because if the science is there to say, if you're 40 today, there is no reason that you're not going to live until you're more than 100. So if we're going to live to be 100 and more, the name of the game becomes how do you maintain optimal wellness, not how do you avoid cure sickness, certainly. The name of you, you can't turn back time. And so it's look at your wellness state today and how do you prolong that? If you're going to be alive for a long time, how do you maintain that optimal wellness? And it's an excite, it's an exciting time, I think, for folks in that regard. And we're happy to get to play a part in it because because just the data that comes out and the, that whole lens of food as medicine. And to your earlier point about consumers demanding products that are clean label and that sort of check all of those boxes, retailers too are now really looking closer and closely at that part. You take Whole Foods as a retailer. People shop there because in part because they know when they walk in that every product on the shelf has been vetted and has gone through a rigorous quality assurance and supply chain process to make sure that it meets the high standards of the consumers that they serve. And so I think food products are going to see that more widely with all of the, certainly specialty health, but all of the the grocers out there. Well, I won't tell you to be patient, but I think Millennia Tea is well positioned to take advantage once that hits critical mass, which it's heading in that direction and and you're well positioned to do that. Uh, What is the mission there at Millennia T? What is your big goal for the future? So our our mission is simple. It's a it's a moonshot. It's big. I want to help a billion people live longer, stronger lives by sharing plant products in their purest and most naturally powerful format. Um, our our BHAG, our big hairy audacious goal, if you will, is to establish the global category of frozen edible tea and the means for people around the world to get it easily. We're not an overnight success. We're we're working towards something big. And they say, if you shoot for the moon and you land in the stars, that, that that'll be good. And so we follow that. We follow that process. Well, Tracy, I know that the Future Foodcast audience is really going to be happy at the end of this podcast when, when they've gotten to this point to know this information, to know about you, what your company's doing, the new category, the innovative category of frozen fresh frozen tea, uh, which I'm excited about. I'd never heard of it before. Obviously, I'm excited to learn about it. And I really appreciate you coming on and sharing your mission with us and best of luck moving forward. Oh, thank you so much for having me. And I'll say, because going back to that part of how this is a circle, my email is tracy.com at millenniatea.com. If any of your listeners ever need to reach out just to talk something through, then I'm, I'm really happy to make sure that I'm available. And I think it's tracy.bell at millennia.com. And because I care so much about that ecosystem is, that ecosystem of supporting entrepreneurs along the journey. If anyone ever wants to reach out to me, my email address is tracy.bell at millenniatea.com. So T-R-A-C-Y dot B-E-L-L at M-I-L-L-E-N-N-I-A-T-E-A dot com.
Again, thank you so much for being with us, Tracy. Such a pleasure. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Future Foodcast. Future Foodcast is powered by Farm to Plate, the leading food blockchain platform. Subscribe on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts to stay up to date with the very latest innovations in the food industry. 